Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Yeah, uh, my dad worked in finance. My mom was an accountant, um, but spent a lot of time staying at home with us, which we loved. My sister's six years younger than me. So we get along very well now, but not as much in the early days is, is what she'll tell you. I disagree, but that's what she'll tell you. So I'm, I'm being true to her narrative. Um, but we're just best friends these days. Good. Uh, your mom and dad still with us, still around. They still are working. They are They're still working. Uh, still working, still working. Yeah. Still out there, still in New Jersey. My whole family is, and I'm just the, uh, black sheep that has lived everywhere. Yeah. So I would say that I'm, uh, I actually took my Myers-Briggs test when I was at Bridgewater and I was kind of right on the line of introvert extrovert, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I am certainly more extroverted, but I also get a lot of energy from being alone. And so I think that's why I'm on the line. Um, but growing up, I, uh, was pretty well-rounded actually. I had a lot of different friends in different groups Um, I started acting, I guess when I was nine, so I've been doing it for a long time. And I thought that that was what I wanted to do forever. Hence why I went to NYU. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I graduated, I realized it wasn't, and then I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life, but thankfully (laughs) I was a good student. So, um, I was able to parlay pretty easily into, um, the world of entrepreneurship in a very accidental way um, with a startup skincare company. But I guess to answer your question directly, what I spent most of my time doing in high school was um, certainly theater, film stuff, um, voice lessons, all of those kinds of things. I didn't do any Broadway work. I kind of, you know, skipped out right after I graduated, um, I did get to perform at Joe's pub, which was really exciting. That's a, um, pretty iconic venue. Oh, I see. I should know that, I guess, but okay. No, no. It's like an iconic New York venue. Um, I, I, one of the things that I did a little bit earlier on, this was when I was still in high school, I did a regional tour for a show called a day in the life. It was a, a show based on the music of the Beatles And that was a really great experience too. I was the youngest member of the cast by like at least 20 years Um, Mm. and got the experience of, you know, workshopping a new show that had never been done before and traveling around to all these different theaters and performing in front of audiences of all sizes from 40 people to a couple thousand. So cool. cool. Yeah. It was about the time that I was graduating and I had an opportunity, um, to go on a national tour, which is a a big deal for an actor. Okay. And, you know, it's very steady work for a long period of time, but you're on the road um, in a different city every, you know, Mm. week, Mm. four days. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And instead of feeling excited, I felt dread. Mm. And I realized in that moment that if this wasn't exciting to me, then this wasn't the right career for me. And I needed to figure out something else to do with my life. Sure. Yeah. I did not do any internships in college because I thought I was going to be an actor. So (laughs) there are no acting internships. Um, But my last year of school, I was working part-time for a startup skincare company. Um, And when I graduated, I ended up joining their team full-time as one of their first employees outside of the founders. So that's how I ended up in beauty. That's how I ended up with the startup bug. That's how I ended up learning that I really enjoyed business strategy and marketing and sales. Um, And I loved that experience because I got to touch every aspect of building a business. And so I was with them for uh, three and a half, four years, something like that. And from what I, to what, from what to what revenue, if you don't mind me asking. So from startup, how far did they get before you left revenue? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, maybe around 5 million, something like okay. that. So from All zero right. to 5 million. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. Yep. yeah. Which, which was awesome to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I left, I was looking at some MBA programs because I figured I should get a degree that matched the work that I learned that I like to do. <laughs> and, uh, instead of doing that, I spoiler alert, never got the MBA. Um, instead I went to Bridgewater, um, the hedge fund out in Connecticut. And I call that my real world MBA. So I, I was in, in, uh, a role that doesn't really exist anywhere else, but it's an internal management consulting type of role within their research analytics department. Okay. Um, Incredible experience, smartest people I've ever worked with and probably ever will in mass. Um, left there, I went to a family office that invested in beauty brands and I ran one of their brands alongside the founder and got to do some work, um, some strategy work too for their investment committee and how they thought about investing in brands, which was another really interesting aspect of the world to see. And then I went to Estee Lauder Companies where I led global brand strategy for Clinique which was my first big global brand. And so I got, you know, massive global brand experience. And then um, I went over to LA to work on the Smashbox Cosmetics brand, which was a totally different beast. Um, And it was Mm -hmm. while I was there that I met or was introduced to, we never actually met in person for four or five months, um, but I was introduced to Chris, um, who's my now co-founder. And we started building Bitewell together in late 2020. I am married. So Max and I met in college. Um, we've been together 10 years this month. Ooh, wow. I know. So um, you met when you were 17 then, something like that. Thanks. No, we <laughs> met <laughs> not, not far off. We met when we were 20. Um, okay. so yeah, we've, we've been together for 10 years. Um, he's children, hel- no children, Okay. All just right. dog children, a cat mm-hmm. child. He's hilarious. Yeah. Funniest person I know, hands down, period, full stop. Um, you guys had a party and you looked across the room and you're like, hmm, I want to know what his name is. What happened? Tell me how, how'd you, give me the story. So our freshman year of college, Max was um, assigned to room with this kid that I went to middle school with. All right. And there were four of us from my town in, from Manalpin who ended up going to NYU 
And so the first week of school, we all met up for this brunch and we brought all of our roommates. We met there. I know we did because we were both at that brunch, but it's a little bit hazy. Like neither of us particularly remembers it. We were both seeing other people at the time. And then a year later, there was this website. This was like in, I don't, okay, Cupid days, like pre-Tinder, pre-Hinge, pre all of that. There was a website called Date My School. And you could only sign up if you had a .edu email address, like early Facebook days, and you could connect with people from your school. And so he, I remember this distinctly, messaged me on Date My School, but I thought that his profile picture was super weird. And so I did not respond. What was wrong with it? What I have like, do we have like a funky hat on? What was he, what was he, he doing? He, he was wearing like this giant hat. He was leaning against a tree, holding a guitar. And he had this very serious face. And I was like, who is this guy? I don't understand this photo. It's a no for me. Then maybe six months later, we met at a party. Um, and like, he he's remem- like, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the guy with the hat. I was the guy with the hat. <laughs> he was thinking that, but he didn't say it until our first date. Um, but he distinctly remembered that I did not respond to him and, you know, made it his mission to get me to respond to him that night. So okay, we- now this is an important point. I want to make sure I understand when you set the party, you still don't know it's the guy with the hat. You don't find that out till you actually go on the date. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> that is correct. Then you're like, you're that guy. You're, you're that guy. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, folks listening, don't judge a book by its dating profile picture. Right. Wow. Okay. I guess uh, that's but... the lesson. I guess the the uh, craziest run in that I've with the law that I've had. I was seventeen, and this is a true confession because no one knows this story or the truth of this story. I was 17. I was, I needed to make a left-hand turn to get into school. And there's like the left-hand turn lane and then the regular lane. And when there's a bunch of cars in the regular lane, you're not supposed to skirt around them to go to the left-hand turn lane. But I did. And there was a cop there and he saw me do it and he pulled me over and gave me a ticket. Um, And the confession is that I knew it was wrong when I was doing it, but I did it anyway. Sam, are you telling me, Sam, that's the worst thing ever? That's the worst thing I've ever done. That's it. Period. Oh, my God. Yeah. So from the moment that I left, Juara was the name of the company, the skincare company that I started my career at. From the moment that I left, I knew that I wanted to run my own business at some point. But I... And this is, this is changing now, this um, fundamental belief. But for a long time, I believed that I was not the idea spark person. Like I needed to find someone who had an idea, join them as their co-founder and and be the builder. Okay. I don't know that that's true about myself anymore. I'm reevaluating that. Um, But that was the headspace that I was in. And so I was always on the lookout for a great person with a great idea that I could help bring to life. Yourself as the operator and you needed a visionary. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, not sure that that's true, but that's what I thought. And so I, um, was out in LA working on Smashbox, really loved that work. It was hard work, really loved that work. Um, and it was June ish of 2020. Um, and through a friend of a friend, I got connected with Chris, my now co-founder and 
this friend of a friend on a late night call, we were talking about another company that I was advising that he was working on. And he was like, Hey, Sam, I think you need to quit your job now and start a company. And I know this guy named Chris, who's doing something in food and health. I'm like, not totally sure what it is, but it sounds like it's up your alley. You should meet him. And so he connected us for a phone call and, um, Chris and I got along right away and realized that we had a shared vision for the future in terms of how the food industry and the healthcare industry were going to intersect and the importance of food and our overall health. And after, you know, about three hours, one day on the phone, I decided that I was going to try working with him on this. And so I did both for a while. Um, good. I did both for a while for four or five months. I did both full time, which was wild. Mm. And then in December of 2020, I quit. And in January of 2021, I was full time by well, and I've never looked back. And it's also like, how committed are you to bringing this to life? Are you um, enamored by the idea? And then three months later, you realize that it's really hard and you wish that you never quit your job? Or um, are you really committed to it? And I think you know that in three or four months, you know, if it's something that you want to spend the next decade of your life working on or not, and then you quit. Yeah. Agreed. Now, were you always kind of a health, uh, you know, eat right, you know, go to the gym, eat salad every day. I don't, I'm just, I'm messing. I'm giving you a hard time, but were you always like that before you met Chris, your co-founder. Yeah. So I, um, had a bunch of like food related health issues as a kid. And so did my sister and so did all my cousins. Mm. And so we've always been a, Um, a combination of like a deeply food loving family, like, you know, throw me in a kitchen for six hours and I'll be my happiest self, but a very food aware family in terms of what works for a body. Um, And then as a performer, I was always very active. Um, So combination of both. So Chris had been exploring this idea for a while. He had set up an LLC I'm going to get the timeline wrong, but something like nine months before we met. And he was in the process of um, switching from an LLC to a C-Corp because he was about to take in some outside funding. He was in the middle of um, an accelerator program with Antler. And that's when we met. So he had initial idea, a bit of business formation and some line of sight to early, early funding. Yeah, of course. So over the life of the company before we took in um, kind of a major round of institutional financing. There were a bunch of people prior to me, um, kind of after me, kind of various stages, let's call them like six six different groups of equity holders that came in at different terms and with different documents. Um, and all of that needed to be cleaned up because we had a lot of equity holders on the cap table, many of which- Let me are- ask me what, do you mind me asking <laughs> what a lot is? I think we had like 25 or 30 equity holders on the cap table who were no longer doing work for the company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So what I would do differently, I think next time is number one, um, would definitely be more planful about how I structured early equity holders, meaning, you know, if I was going to give out 
early equity, I would structure it more similarly to an employee option pool than the way that we did it. The second thing that I would do differently is while the majority of those people um, ended up coming in with appropriate vesting terms, some of the early ones had different vesting terms. And your traditional vesting term is going to be uh, four-year vesting with a one-year cliff, right? And yes. for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what, what a one-year cliff means, it just means that none of the equity vests for the first year. And after that year mark, that you know 25% or whatever it is of the equity that you've given to them vests. What that does, or what that would have done for us is, you know, for people who ended up only working out for three, six, seven months, they wouldn't have been on the cap table. So learnings for sure. Um, and then the cap table cleanup can mean a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people for us. You know, step one of that was making sure that everyone's, um, as much as we could kind of grouping people into less than six groups from a terms perspective, getting all the paperwork cleaned up, et cetera. And then, um, kind of next phase of, of cap table cleanup will be, um, offering to buy some of those people out of their shares. So, um, we raised a little bit of cash. We did what I think a lot of companies do and never talk about, which is we raised a pre-seed over like a two-year period on a series of rolling safes and convertibles okay. at different valuations um, because that's what we could do. And so we did that for about two years. Uh -huh. um, and we we actually just took in our, our biggest like true institutional seed round. Um, I can't talk about it yet because I'm still... We still haven't put out a press release and everything, but um, but we're just hitting that milestone now. And so right. closed. From, I mean, this is, it's signed, closed and funded. Oh, good for you! High five. Thank you. Nice. Boom. Um, good. So good. so that's what we did for a couple of years. That's how we sustained ourselves through you know rolling safes right. and convertibles. We did what we had to do. Were, um, you paying your, were you paying yourself anything? Were you paying yourself like thirty grand a year or something? No, nothing. Zero. <laughs> Zero until. I don't know, six or seven months ago, then we were paying ourselves like 40 grand a year. Um, so nothing, but so, you know. So your husband's like, man, that Estee Lauder job was kind of cool. <laughs> Thankfully, Sam, I know, he's Sam, wonderful. I know you're, you're really having fun with friend Chris, but are you, when are you gonna start making money? Was there any of those moments or any of those moments you and, your, you and Max? We definitely had some of those conversations. We did. <laughs> Um, but I would say 99.99% of the time we were not having those conversations. He uh, has been the most supportive partner that you could ever ask for in doing this kind of thing. So Bitewell is, um, on a mission to improve the world's health through food. And the way that we're doing that is by making food a health benefit for the very first time. So in the same way that your employer offers you medical, dental, vision, you know, family planning benefits, we believe that employers should also offer healthy food as a benefit to their employees. Mm. And we are um, in the process of getting that covered by insurance. So there are two versions of covered. Right. Version one of covered is the, is the easier one to get after, which is the insurance provider will cover the cost of Bitewell subscription. So like the access to the marketplace, the data, et cetera, to get um, healthy food into people's hands. And then either you or your employees are covering the cost of food. The second version of covered is when not only the subscription is covered, but also the food itself, the cost of the food itself is covered by insurance. 
that's going to take us longer to get to, but we're seeing glimmers of hope. I don't know if you saw about a month ago, Medicaid announced that they're covering the cost of food up to a certain um, dollar amount per month for people with diet related diseases, which is almost everyone, unfortunately. It's, it's yes, like seven, seven of the country. Yeah. Um, so, which is huge. And so we're pushing for that to happen in the commercial space as well. And so, you know, the ideal future is that you get access to call it $250, $300 a month of healthy food on Bitewell that's covered by your insurance. Wow. I mean, yeah. How's that work? Who's paying for it? I guess the insurance company sees it as long-term savings for them because their patients are healthier, I guess. That's yeah, that's right. And so um without you know blowing their cover entirely, I think essentially the bet that they're making is that um by doing this, they'll be able to make clients happy, so make employers happy by lowering premiums a certain small percentage, but that the medical cost reduction is greater than the you know small percentage of discount that they're able to give on the premium and then the rest of that savings um goes into the hands of the insurance company our client is the employer um and by working with the insurance company we can get this benefit to the employer for you know a reduced cost so are you and the kaiser rep going to be seeing like hey man you guys need to sign up for this yeah we kind of <laughs> kind of yeah uh, it's usually like, you know, us calling your HR benefits director and saying, Hey, here's a new, you know, benefit that wasn't that you weren't able to offer last year, but you're now able to offer because of the way that regulations have changed and the way that payers are thinking about food. And then your HR director says, cool, that sounds like an awesome benefit. And then we go together to Kaiser to say, Hey, oh, you see. covering bite well yet? And they uh, say, we sure are. The other thing that's awesome about it for HR directors is like, you know, being in that space, wellness programs usually have maybe a five to 10% adoption yes, by your yes. employee population. Yes, yes. Our employee adoption is 91% because everyone loves free food. Okay, and so me, this is a program you can roll out and everyone will take advantage of. So if you sign up for BiteWell and pay for it for your employees, then your employees get a link to download the BiteWell app. Okay. They put in their individual health information so we understand their health needs. And then they can peruse all of the food available around them. Restaurants for delivery for lunch or groceries or meal kits or whatever they want. Uh, and then they'll order individually through our app marketplace the foods that fit their individual health needs. Right. And that is what gets covered by you. Over time, our aim is to tie food purchasing data to health outcome data at the aggregate level. So that we can help, you know, not only healthcare and hospital systems, but also food manufacturers to mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. what food people who have different health needs are looking to buy and yes. how to make that food more suitable to their health needs. What's your biggest hurdle? That's the thing that takes the most time. So yeah. if anyone's listening who is part of an insurance provider or knows one, please send them our way. Um, <laughs> but the the model works without insurance too. Like there are a variety of employers who are with insurance providers that don't yet cover by well, who have said, we're just going to pay for this because we think it's an amazing benefit for our team. What's it cost? Um, it costs anywhere from two to $6 per employee per month, depending on the size of the organization. And then, yeah. Right. And then as much as you want to spend on food or as little. Month to month? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's month to month. 
Oh, two to six dollars per employee, and I don't have to sign a long-term contract. Same thing. I don't know why you. I don't know why you'd say no. Uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 a no-brainer. I think. Okay, right? so we're we're onboarding your team, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. Radiflex <laughs> is signing up. <laughs>